isms? Good pal. Boy, um, it, it's it's. I'm off to a slow start, but everything's going to be great. Well, you know, that's what happens when I have to teach you how to use your phone. I love how you like made fun of my phone settings, essentially keeping me focused on those around me after a certain time in the evening. And, oh, oh, your you elderly the, setting. Yeah, the elderly setting. Elderly mode. But you don't know how to copy and paste. <laughs> I mean, don't even get me started. We, before we even pressed record... You sit down. See, here's what here's the thing, folks. That's Whenever rude, you have an bro. appointment, okay, let's say, hey, be at the studio at eleven. No, I'm. And then you get to the early. studio and you're not ready. Boy, I don't know. Untrue. I don't know how to how to deal with that. Untrue. Pal. I'm gonna go meditate. I need some meditation time. Hey gang, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, big cat, how we doing? Hey man, uh, doing well. Mm -hmm. I know you're super excited to talk about... You, you know, you've been a little cryptic with me on, in terms of what today's podcast is going to be about, and I'm excited about that, but I got to knock out a couple things just off the top here. A little house cleaning? A little, okay. But no, house, housekeeping. Housekeeping. <laughs> now, you're, you've been hanging out with me too long, man. You're messing up the, the phrasing of things, which I'm relatively becoming more famous for. But anyhow, <laughs> okay, a couple things. I think a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the Mole Man from Hackney and the fairy shoe, mm, mm -hmm. I was kind of trying to think like, oh, okay, Ring of Barra. I, th I think I've been there. I was wrong. We actually went to the Ring of Kerry, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away, depending on who's driving, from the Ring of Barra. So mm -hmm. similar, I've seen some comparisons online. Apparently the Ring of Barra is a little bit more secluded. Interesting. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's shorter. So it's uh, a lot of folks will say, you know, go to that one as well or first because it's a shorter drive and equally as beautiful. So mm -hmm. just a little uh, little kind of correction there. Also, then, I, I think I referred to, I called it uh, the Barra Peninsula, which is <laughs> a better name. You know, it's not often that we get a chance to kind of fact check ourselves. That's but, true. You know, every now and then. You got to do it. And I wrote that down to kind of bring up today. Well, real quick, I, let me say something. So this podcast, I don't know if, if you folks know this, because a lot of podcasts aren't done this way. But if you're a new listener or maybe you missed an episode where we, where we got into this, every single thing that we do with the podcast, whether it's the merch, whether it's graphic design, whether it's the sound design in the episodes, whether it's the music, whether it's uh, the mixing, the the editing, all that kind of stuff. Every bit of it is done by either Woody or Tyler. That's it. And so it is funny that you're talking about, you know, being able to like fact check your, yourself <laughs> because every single week, well, well, not every single week. Well, just about every week. Almost every week, yeah. When it comes to the old, after Woody's done his editing and he passes on to me to do the mixing. Every single time, I'll go through the episode and I'll be like, God, I made a mistake there. And like, it's so 
so tempting just to just hop on that mic and like <laughs> re-record yourself, but I yeah. never do. Yeah, so, you know, hey, look, we're all human. We make mistakes. And, mm-hmm. uh, well, if you're here, that means that um, you're open-minded enough, open-minded enough to uh, practice a little forgiveness and some mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to just kind of say, when things like this happen, you know, I just get super excited. Two things. One, we had someone reach out on the Instagram, a guy named Dean, and he ended up commenting on on one of our photos. I think it, I think it was the episode with the the photo of um, wait, let's see. Oh, it was the Loab episode. Mm. And so he commented on the Instagram post and said, "Hey, you know, this was my introductory episode. Super rad, you know." Cool. And I just wanted to say, you know, we don't really get a chance to sort of shout out uh, the listeners individually and stuff, but this was just a perfect example of like, you know, he could have just liked some of the photos and just been sort of in the ether, but by Mm -hmm. sort of saying, hey guys, you know, this was my first episode, super rad, you know, all that, then it really kind of brings our attention to it. And so anyways, welcome, Dean. Thanks uh, Thanks for being a listener. And also, for all those folks that have done that, I mean, the, the cutoff is now, if you're hearing this, <laughs> but every person that has done that, we have actually sent out a $100 bill to each one of those <laughs> yeah, people. Right. So maybe in the future, you'll, you'll go the extra mile. Yeah, maybe so. No, it just means the world to us, you know, because like we, like we say every single week, like just making that world just even smaller and those connections a little bit more meaningful between us all is, is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then kind of related to that, I got a quick question for you, and this is going to kind of like, I think this is where the line is drawn between like someone who either has family that's from Texas, grew up there a little bit, or someone that absolutely uh, isn't. Now, there's some exceptions to this rule, but Mm -hmm. let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a buttered tortilla? Um, Like, what do you you mean? Yep, that tells me enough. So basically, and I thought, in a way, I, I kind of figured that this was because we didn't spend a whole lot of my childhood actually in Texas, although that's where my parents are from. Mm-hmm. I thought this might have been just like our family thing. But one of you our listeners. You have two Texas tattoos, though. I don't have any Texas tattoos. One of our listeners and best friends, Julie, sent a, uh, it was like this video of, now there's this popular store in Texas called HEB. It's just like a Kroger or a Publix or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, huge and they had their own candles and one of the candle scents was buttered tortilla dude like my jaw hit the floor and i was like oh my god i gotta have one of those immediately because like it was all growing up anytime we were in texas and stuff you'd get these like homemade flour tortillas that tasted better than anything you've ever had and Mm -hmm. they would uh you, you know right as soon as they were cooked like nice and hot you throw a little butter on there Best freaking snack of all time. Anyway, all that to say, it's always nice to hear from folks. And man, you should try a buttered tortilla. Hey, speaking of Julie, man, have you seen the, uh, I guess her husband, uh, Jonathan, is in Egypt? Something, man. Yeah, I saw that. That's amazing, man. Yeah. I'm so jealous. We got to reach out and and figure that out. Yeah, that's bucket list big time. You know, Edgar Cayce, also known as the Sleeping Prophet, believe that the mystery or the like origins of of civilization are 
somehow, I, I think I, I could be messing this up, but it, it's like either the left or the right paw of the Sphinx, hmm. which has really always fascinated me. What do you mean, like hidden in like, the paw? Yeah, like, well, like buried under the paw or like maybe there's a some sort of, I, actually, this is, I mean, we are veering away from the dock a little bit, but I do believe that, so Edgar Casey was, you know, a long time ago, so many of his like predictions, he, he would sort of make these, he would sort of fall into this trance, which is why they called him the sleeping prophet. We're definitely going to do a, a full episode because he's he's fascinating. But his thing was like, he always had to have somebody sort of recording. Him up. Well, yeah, recording every single one of his, I don't know, what would, what would you call that? Like his, his like trance sort of state. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, and, like, a, okay. And so people would like ask him questions when he was like sort of in this trance and he would answer. The interesting thing is like this dude, you know, was trying to, I think he was trying to sort of disprove him. You know, he was from like, he was like a journalist, I think. And again, we're going to do a full episode, but. Yeah. Now give me uh, the time period. Like, what are we talking here? Like 1940s, 1920s, 1800s, 1700s. What are we? So he died at. I'm looking now. He died at age 67 in 1945. Okay. So, so yeah. 30s, 20s, 20s, 30s. Okay. But his, he, th- there was a guy that was trying to disprove him. Again, all my details are a little, a little murky at best, but he was trying to prove that it was all sort of a hoax, that these like, you know, fugue states or trances that he would go into were just total BS. And so while he was there uh, or while he was in a trance, and, and the thing was, was like, I don't know, I, I can't remember if he would just sort of voluntarily like start saying things, you know, like giving predictions or whatever. I, I think that his whole big deal was like helping people. So people would, would send him letters. And I do know that eventually it became like too much. Like it, it became where he was getting like thousands and thousands of letters, you know, for like people were asking to be like healed and like all this kind of stuff. It's again, it's fascinating. But uh, this guy came in and had like a a pair of like pliers, I think, and was like trying to show that like he wasn't really in a trance. And I think at first he like he like was like cutting his arm, and then he ended up breaking his finger. Like hmm. while Edgar Casey is in the trance, he had zero zero like response to that he was he's totally out and then you know obviously he would wake up like just in a full scream yeah you know uh, we got to get a doctor in here kind of thing uh but anyway all that all that to say he made a lot of predictions with like the location of atlantis and i i think his thing was like oh i have heard of this guy yeah 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 we've talked about it briefly the like bimini row you know down in like the i guess the bahamas maybe close Mm -hmm. to like the bermuda triangle all that area that's where he believed that it it began and it is interesting Mm. because in that area of you know bimini it's like under the water there is this i mean it almost looks like a road it's really super straight Mm. it was clearly some sort of passage you know before it was submerged underwater. But all that to say, he made a lot of predictions that have 100% came true. And that was one of his things is like the the secrets are hidden under the paw of the Sphinx. And I do, I want to say that somewhere in the 2000s, maybe even like fairly recently, I can't remember, they have discovered by using like LIDAR, or no, 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 not LIDAR, but like ground penetrating radar, that there are actual like chambers 
like in the Sphinx. So hmm. he's technically, you know, right for the most part. Yeah. So it's interesting because like not too long ago, and I've kind of talked about this on the show too, like I've always been fascinated with ancient Egypt, but unfortunately mm-hmm. not motivated enough to, you know, read a ton about it or even watch a ton about it, which mm-hmm. is interesting. It's just now it, a days it's more just like a, you know, the time to be able to do it. But I mean, I've even have downloaded audio books on it, and there's well, dude, all, like a I downloaded a freaking, um, it was like a uh, Harvard course or something about ancient Egypt lectures and stuff. And I started listening to it; and it was super intriguing. But it's like it's one of those things where when I am taking in information like that, I want to make sure I have. Like, I want to be paying attention to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. It's just so fascinating, man. I mean, even forget about any of the sort of, you know, how did the pyramids get made and, you know, the engineering uh, feats and all these kind of things, you know, wipe away all that sort of mystique for just a second. And just even the things about, like, I mean, just their art and stuff, man. And, like, the yeah. the ability to mold and sculpture things so well. And it's just... I don't know. It's fascinating, man. Yeah, yeah. It's uh. So I read way back in the day, probably when I was like really like getting into like conspiracies and like paranormal and like all this sort of fringe stuff. The I would say the best book to read is Fingerprint of the Gods from Graham Hancock uh, okay. or Fingerprints of the Gods. Sorry, I mean he has a whole bunch, but I, I'm sure you've seen this guy on on Joe Rogan. He's always the guy that has glasses. He's like a like a British writer. He has a great voice. It just sort of lulls you in, kind of. He's really cool because he he never comes out and quite like says like, oh, I believe it's this, 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 and this. But he's he's like us in the sense that he's like, well, I think the most important thing is the fact that like we can't explain it, but there is mm. something to it. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. because that that is the one thing with like the Egyptology field is because of like the government over there and because of there's such a like closed fist on, on all of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, like the, your like point of entry is, is almost impossible now, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I, I think it's interesting. I think he brings up a lot of cool things. Like he's, he's real big on connecting the statues and some of the, the like, archaeological sort of finds or whatever, how they're super, super similar, you know, from like Egypt to like Mesoamerica to, Mm. uh, and so he, he does, there's actually, I haven't finished it. I I watched the first episode, but he actually has a new, uh, documentary that came out. Oh man. Yes. On Netflix. Right. And and they talk about Indonesia in part. Yes. I told you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Dude, what's fascinating to me about that. And again, I know we're, kind of veering off here, but the the <laughs> part of the reason why in so many ways uh, I wish I would have studied more or at least, you know, mm-hmm. maybe minored in anthropology because like what's interesting to me that I really want to kind of like dive into is, you know, you've got all of these similar patterns in engineering across mm-hmm. the globe at different times, ancient enough to where like, you know, traveling between them would have been difficult and they wouldn't necessarily have... Well, I I say that, I don't know. Mm. It would have been harder, I'll say, for them to share those, you know, designs with one another, you know? Mm -hmm. Is this, it's, it's, you know, when you look at things like society and and how different communities evolve over time and stuff, like, 
it's hard for me to sort of draw the line between just like, oh, it's the natural progression of things for them to all of a sudden be pyramid in shape and, right. you know, that kind of stuff. It's hard for me to piece those things together. And so like to be able to read about that or something, I think would be fascinating. And and, and to learn the, the, the timing and the differences between them. And I mean, mm-hmm. like I was going to say earlier, it wasn't too long ago that actually, and maybe this is embarrassing, I, I had to look up like, What's in, can you go inside the pyramid? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was when I was, when Moon Knight came out. And, oh, I, yeah. you know, I got, you know, I was like, oh man, this is so cool because it's a blend of superheroes, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, your Egyptian gods. Egyptian gods and stuff. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, I love, I, I thought Moon Knight was great, but the, I, I still think the comic did it. Uh, you, there's just so much more, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really, to me, it, it plays more on like the, like, just sort of the weirdness of like the Egyptian gods, and like them sort of you know being able to be like inhabited by those gods is I don't know it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys are interested in like Egyptology and and some of the more I don't want to say metaphysical or or even like esoteric uh, esoteric, but like even the more maybe sort of fringy aspects of it, you know, I think Graham Hancock is a, uh, is definitely the guy to begin. Hey, Woody, so what do you know about the Illuminati? Well, I'll say this. Immediately when you say that, I thought to myself, you know, folks, we have not talked about conspiracy theories for at least two seasons. And then at the beginning of the third season, I give Tyler like an inch and we start talking about Project Bluebeam, okay? And Which now, you like to call it a wrong name. Yeah, every Blue Book, time. Build-A-Bear. Um, okay. Now, you're surprising me with another. I don't know anything about Illuminati other than, I know that, the, then, and obviously this is very surface level, mm-hmm. probably completely wrong, but here's the gist as far, this is what I do know. Or this is my take on this sort of conspiracy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Illuminati is, uh, I guess, said to be a Mm -hmm. far-reaching, I would say perhaps ancient organization that controls everything. Everything from, well, that's all I know. (laughs) And I don't know what that means. I don't know, you know, much about it. But I know Mm -hmm. there's like some symbolism involved and I know that... uh, you know, there's um, a lot of folks that say it exists and here's how and why and all that stuff. But like I've said before, in when we were doing the Project Bluebeam episode, mm-hmm. I never really, I, sometimes it's hard for me to get into a lot of conspiracy stuff. Mainly, like a lot of times whenever I go online and see something, it's like, oh man, this. And it's like, Sometimes, and I'm not saying this is the, the case at all for this, mm-hmm. uh, so don't get, you know, don't get twisted over there. I'm just saying that sometimes so many of getting twisted. the, so many of the things that people consider conspiracies and stuff oftentimes can be related to just like almost a zero base level understanding of X, Y, and Z. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so because of that, because of how quickly things can just like, you know, spread across the internet. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just kind of get over, like exhausted by it all. And I just don't really, you know, have a extreme interest in it. So that's why my knowledge of this stuff is 
relatively limited. But as you know, being listeners or brand new listeners to our show, it's not so much of finding, the, our, our mission isn't to find the truth. It'd be mm-hmm. cool if we did. But our mission really is to just talk about interesting stories. And Tyler and I have been best friends for many years. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, I can trust that he's going to at least deliver an interesting story, whether or not I agree with it or not. Not Most of the time I can, you know, buy in and it's interesting. So I'm excited about today's show because I think, I guess now, I can assume that it's about the Illuminati in some way. Well, for many of those folks that would say, oh, well, the Illuminati is a myth and that's like a silly idea. And and yes, that it, that has been painted with a brush that that would maybe sort of throw shade in that direction. But in actuality, there is a thing called the Illuminati. It's actually called the Bavarian Illuminati, which was founded by a guy named Adam Weishaupt on May 1st, May Day Mystery, 1776. And like all of these other secret societies, the whole point was to, quote unquote, spread enlightenment which is always so vague. And it's like everybody from Aleister Crowley to uh, like all of these groups, like even down to like Skull and Bones, they talk about like, we're just here to spread enlightenment. It's like, what does that exactly mean? Um, but Well, you have to chop off your arm and then burn <laughs> yeah, your right. fire, eat it, right. and then you can find out. You have to steal Geronimo's skull. Hmm. But anyway... Um, Basically, at the time, this Adam Weishaupt guy, he was a professor, and his ideas weren't really accepted from or by the Freemasons. Ah, okay. And so he kind of went on to start his own thing, the Bavarian Illuminati. Um, there. Now, is this guy a prof- He's an American? No, 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 no. Okay. He's, he's in uh, Bavaria. He's in, uh, like, uh, I guess, Austria. Yeah, okay. So what we know about... I, I believe that, like, the, the actual sort of term Illuminati, I'm not sure if it's if it's an actual... I, I, what I'm saying is I'm not actually sure if it's based, you know, it has legitimate ties all the way back to 1776 and the Bavarian Illuminati. But I do believe that there is a type of, uh, you know, some sort of, like, hidden hand these like this like sort of elite class a lot of people call them like predator the predator class which sounds pretty intense mm. so what we know is it is tied in with this concept of like you know your secret societies mm-hmm. which even even that term is oftentimes sort of looked at with like oh you're just like making things up but it's like this these are literal things so you yeah. have the bavarian illuminati you have the Priory of Sion. You have Order or the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which would later go on to become Aleister Crowley's very own group called the OTO, which means the Ordo Templi Orientis. Uh, you have Skull and Bones over at Yale. You have the Independent Order of the Odd Fellows, mm-hmm. the Rosicrucians. You know the Knights Templar, which kind of gets into like the Freemasons and all that stuff. You and all have these, like fraternal organizations that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. branched off of all those as well. Yes, but but the interesting thing is a lot of these, a lot of these even lead into our more modern secret societies or like gatherings. And these are things that, oddly enough, were, you know, back in the day, back in like the late '80s and the '90s, people like Bill Cooper, 
you know, our, the guy that we, we talked about on the Project Bluebeam episode, yeah. uh, Sergey Manast, these are, these are the things that these guys were talking about way back then. And they were just called like, oh, they're just just crazy, you know, conspiracy theory, th- theories or whatever. Uh, but, you know, now we have these things which are just totally out in, in the public. One called the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, the World Economic Forum, and even, which is one of my favorites, like the Bohemian Grove or the Bohemian Club. Mm-hmm. And again, all of these all of these, like, uh, I mean, I don't even know if it's safe to say that these modern ones are even, like, secret societies. I mean, the Bohemian Club, yes, but... Uh, I mean, I guess, like, if we can shift the definition to not necessarily being secret in terms of its existence, but secret certainly in terms of um, what, you know, what they're doing, right? So, like, yes. their their rituals, their, mm-hmm. you know, their practices, their, their mission overall... Mm-hmm. Besides, maybe perhaps having a public mission, right? I'm sure we could Google right now Skull and Bones, and there's going to be like a public sort of mission yes. statement. But like it being secret, meaning you know you have to gain entry into this organization, mm-hmm. and then there are things that you can and cannot talk about. Um, and I'll get keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah we do like sort of know publicly. So like there's a guy named Carl Schwab that you've probably seen in the media that's with the World Economic Forum. And, like, I, I think he's a, an incredibly shady guy. Like him, you know, your George Soros, your your Bill Gates, your, or the, you know, Gates Foundation, uh, the John Kerry family, the the Clintons. The, the interesting thing is all of these people, you will all, you will see all of these people at, at the Bilderberg group uh, meetings, which they have once a year at the Trilateral Commission meetings, at the Bohemian Grove, you know, right there with like the Bushes, Obama, Biden. All these people are part of all of these, you know, super secret groups, which, you know, you have to be asked to to be in these groups. And, and they are interesting because, you know, now I think we look at like the Bilderberg Group or, or the World Economic Forum and it's like, oh, this is just like, this is like a thing. They're just trying to like help the world and all that. But in reality, it's like, okay, well, well, that's what you're telling people publicly. So, so why is it that, you know, and a lot of people can say what you want about Alex Jones. Yes, I think he's, he's kind of nuts about a lot of things. But at the same time, he's the only guy that was able to sneak into uh, Bohemian Grove, like back in the, I think, 90s, and video the whole thing. And it is the most bizarre, I mean, First of all, like these people are, these are the the world changers of our planet. Like these are the people who, like all of your presidents from all countries, all of your, your uh, you know, Oppenheimer, the guy that created the, the atomic bomb, Einstein, like all of these, these people that are just mass, massive like players in the game, all the Bushes, all of, you know, Ronald Reagan, of course, the Clintons. Like, it's like, oh, well, maybe they're, they're just getting, it's just like a fraternal order. It's just like a joke kind of thing. But it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then why do all these groups have like such a big emphasis on like worship of like these like sort of Canaanite deities or like, you know, Babylonian de- deities? Like, mm-hmm. so for Bohemian Grove, it's like they, you know, they all wear robes and they, they, 
burn an effigy, which is like sort of a mock sacrifice of a man. And at the time, they're, they sort of claim that they're worshiping this, this deity that's in the shape of an owl, which if you look back, the owl was like a symbol for like Moloch, which is like a, a Canaanite deity, which mm-hmm. was, you know, was known for child sacrifice and offering your kids. That's why they're burning like an effigy. Like it gets like super dark. But I think, I think the idea that like, okay, well, the Illuminati is something that is just silly and it's fake and it's just something that these crazy conspiracy theorists came up with. But it's really not. I mean, they're actually real things, real organizations who really are t- still tied into this weird, like, worship of these ancient, you know, gods or whatever. All that to say, today we are not talking about that. <laughs> okay. Today... We are actually talking about the Illuminati New World Order card game. Hmm. After these messages, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. Today we're looking into a game that was created by this guy named Steve Jackson. Steve Jackson was a 1974 graduate of Rice University. Uh, He went to Baker College and then went on to Sid Richardson College, attended the UT Law School, but left to pursue a career in game design. You know, this is back in the 70s. This is like four or five years after the birth of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm, mm-hmm. you, know, you would see Steve Jackson. And I think he actually, don't quote me on this, but I maybe, have found... Maybe rub shoulders with... Uh... Well, I have found several accounts where he actually worked for TSR, like in the early days. And for those listeners who are not super familiar with the early mm-hmm. history of Dungeons and Dragons created by Gary Gygax, there was a company called TSR. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it stands for. Oh, I, I never can remember that. Nope, it's not total shareholder return. <laughs> Tactical studies rules. Interesting. Wow. Uh, anyhow, keep going. Yeah, so in the 70s, he worked for a company called Metagaming Com- Concepts. Okay. He would develop a game called Monsters Monsters in 76. He would go into work on a game called Ogre, a game called God's Fire, which is really cool. And it's like, just that era to me is like so fascinating. I don't know. I just look at yeah. it with such a such a nostalgia, even though obviously I wasn't born. You, you know, you were in high school. No, I was but, not born yet. But I wasn't born then. What I like about that time period is especially like with just thinking about game design in general is mm-hmm. like this 
doesn't necessarily predate video games, but it certainly predates them being so mainstream. And so, like, right. all those games, I mean, just think about, like, our kids not having the opportunity to play video games right now. And the mm-hmm. only thing they can do, it's like, it's no wonder people just went nuts for things like Dungeons and Dragons because, like, yeah, you know, you're diving into this fantasy world and that you get to, like, take your character through as long as you have just, like, a freaking, you know, dropper of imagination. Mm-hmm. Which your wife says she does Zero. not even have that. Zero. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so Jackson would, like, you know, he was, like, in it. He was in that era, which just had to be really cool. And, like, you know, it was, it's also said that he he was really big on, like, wanting to, like, push. I don't, I don't know that he, it ever really, like, happened the way that he wanted to, but it said that he was he was really big on that, like, first wave of, like, trying to get these games for, like, computer, you know, or, like, your, yeah. you know, PC. You know, he would go on with with this metagaming concepts for a while. He would make a a ton of games, another game called Wizard, and, oh, another game called Melee that he created, which I feel like I've heard of that game, right? Or there used to be ads or something Mm. in, like, Mm -hmm. old comics. But anyway, in 1980, he would then break off from metagaming concepts to create Steve Jackson games, which is still a thing today. And it's funny because I never realized this, but... I'm, and I'm sure you've seen this, but there's a, there's a, he, it's really, it's still like a big thing for like these like sort of strategy card games. Uh-huh. Uh, there's one yeah. called Munchkin. Okay. Uh, Ninja Burger, Zombie yeah. Dice, Cthulhu Dice. And there's like, you know, just a bunch of these sort of, you know, I don't know, like card games or whatever, uh, like role playing card games. He had a game called Raid on Iran, uh, which kind of blew up and became like a big thing. You know, like I said, he was, he was like big on like, you know, integrating like technology into these games. And so he did create this thing that was, I think it was like early on where it was like a published version of this game that was called Killer that would be sort of passed on to like kids at like in college campuses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like right up our alley, but he would create a game in 1983 called Illuminati. Back then, it was like a, a more of like a board game, and then he would go on later in 1994 and 95 to release Illuminati: New World Order, where it was completely a card-based game. Oh, another thing that was cool about Steve Jackson is his early games were. <laughs> it's said that like his games were were you would buy them and they would just be like in a Ziploc bag. Oh, of man. like cards and a couple dice or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just think that's, it's that like pre-internet kind of. Yeah, dude, it also reminds me of our buddies over at Get Haunted Industries. You know, they do those those different themed RPGs. Oh, yes. That they sent us, you know, Fairhaven mm-hmm. and, and all that. And uh, yeah, yeah, that I, that's the exact vibe yeah, that I, I, love that I that. imagine. I love that. Yeah, dude. It's it really is like I mean now we have uh, you know D and D Beyond and stuff and, mm-hmm. and and it is so nice to have stuff on the computer. But like I don't know. There's just can I so, dude, oh. Can I just tell you as a dungeon master you nowadays it. I freaking hate it <laughs> because it's just like another reason for players to get distracted and be on screens and like are they messing around on their phone or are they looking at their thing like. Well, I don't use my. Phone I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm about to get super strict in here, and everybody's gonna have to bring in paper, and they're gonna have to bring in. And when I say paper, I mean like your your character sheet is gonna be paper, mm-hmm. 
No devices. You check those in uh, upon entry. I mean, I'm cool with that. And uh, like, if you're a spellcaster, dude, you can buy see that's the spell the cards, and you know, no, no, dude, you just be like, oh, I'm using this spell. Boom. You yeah. Know, what about all those homebrew items and weapons? Yeah, you got those cards. So I made <laughs> you cards. Yeah. Anyway, dude, go ahead. Phil. Being able to roll with all of your like your bonuses and stuff already on, like, no, you just know that, man. You just I mean, it, I don't use down. my phone at all. Uh, other people possibly could. Like, wrong. What, what I'm saying is this. Both of us have always been kind of magnetically attracted to, like, the indie vibe, whether yes. it's in games, music, whatever. Just the idea that people are using their own hands, their imaginations, whatever set of skills they have to create something, and then somehow, like, before it gets mainstream, we're able to, like, get our hands on it is just, like, it's the coolest thing ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's like if you would have been one of the people that bootlegged the Dave Matthews band early on and you had oh, that yeah. cassette tape, to me, that's way cooler than well, I just picked up Under the Table and Dreaming at Sam Goody, mm-hmm. you know? So anyhow, I, I, this already sounds really, really cool. Yes, especially for folks like me and hopefully soon p- people like you that... You know, that that become privy to these, like, elements of, you know, fringe whatever. So, like, the Illuminati and, like, these secret societies. It's really cool. And I'm extremely into the idea of us trying to track down. So, like I said, this game came out. Uh, cards were released in 94 and 95 of that original deck. And I think now there's been, you know, since then there's been, like, multiple sort of like expansion packs and you know it sort of became like popular again i guess Mm -hmm. but in that original set and this is kind of the the main reason that i bring this up this the whole like game and everything the whole reason that i bring this up is that this game which again came out in 94 and according to steve jackson jack God almighty, Jackson. According to Steve Jackson, who, you know, is the founder and created the game, a lot of these ideas that would go on to be on the cards, uh, you know, were born way back in 83. So we're talking a lot of these concepts were created in either 83 or 94. And the importance of this game is the fact that there's cards in this game that are, I think directly related to I mean basically like telling the future like it is what yeah dude it is so fascinating fascinating so I'm gonna send you right now I'm gonna send you some photos now the hard part is I'm just thinking off the top of my head yep well yeah I don't know I can't wait to okay okay so the cards that you have in front of you on your phone you should have now uh, one is called Terrorist Nuke, and the other is called Pentagon. What what do those cards have on them? Okay, so the Terrorist Nuke card basically has the World Trade Center, or what, buildings that look like the World Trade Center. Twin Towers. Yeah, and an explosion kind of happening in it. Yep. And then the other one is the Pentagon on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that one is, now that's, you know, obviously that's super interesting, but the Terrorist Nuke one to me is kind of like the most interesting because it's like yeah 
if I was going to predict, like, let's rewind back into the 90s or something, or 80s even. Mm-hmm. If I was going to predict target areas for bad guys to go after in the States, depending on would be on top of the list, you know, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. the freaking, I guess, you know, the World Trade Center, when was the first bombing? Uh, what do you mean the Like first before bombing? September 11th, you uh, know? I don't think there was. Well, there was the Black Tom incident, which not a lot of people no, 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 hold on. know about. That's actually a Mandela effect. So the first World Trade Center bombing was in 93. Wait, what? What do you mean bombing? I mean bombing, dude. You don't remember that? Like there was like this huge, like the part of the reason why I remember it is because there was like this huge like campaign. And I don't know if this is urban legend stuff, but I remember there being this thing about like the Indiglo Timex. Mm-hmm. Basically when people were trying to, in the stairwell trying to find their way out after the bombing, they used the Indiglo to light their way. And so oh, like it was a big sort of, you know, kind of like, oh man, I need to get me an Indiglo. But yeah, dude, this is like um, February 26, 1993. The World Trade Center was, I mean, just a hundred foot crater, man. Several stories deep, several more high. Speaking of uh, Mandela effects that I've never heard of, have you ever heard of a an assassination attempt on Bush? Um, I've never heard of this. It sounds kind of familiar. Dude, a guy literally was in the crowd and threw a grenade that landed on the stage right next to him. And it, it, was it didn't like, go It was on. like a dummy, right? Or yeah. not a dummy, but like a dud. Yeah, I think I do remember that. See, I, I had never heard of that. And so, like, um, here's what's interesting. So, 93, this happens. I'm mm-hmm. relatively positive shortly after all this stuff started happening, right? I'd have to look at the dates in terms of like the the Olympic bombing mm-hmm. in uh, ninety what was that ninety two right, and then this in ninety three, and then I think that's whenever we came back, and so we were kind of like hypersensitive and aware mm. of, of all these things sort of happening. But yeah, dude. So I mean, like, okay, so this happened in ninety three. I don't know when these cards came, like the terrorist nuke, mm-hmm. but it's you know it's one of those things with like what. Uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg in this situation? Did a terrorist mm-hmm. just happen to be like, oh, man, you know, like a cool, cool, cool card idea. game? And they're like, oh, man, that is a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is such like a sort of visual phenomenon, you know, that like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, I, I feel like it's a little difficult because I can send you these photos, but like until you really see these cards, like, yeah, I mean, man, there's some stuff that's real fascinating. So I'm going to send you another one, and I want you to tell me what you think about that. Okay. Charismatic. This card's called Charismatic Leader. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a blonde, white-haired politician seen yeah. from the back, you know, speaking to the masses. And yeah. there's this super famous photo of Donald Trump where he it looks exactly the same as this, which is pretty fascinating. Mm. Here's another one. That would go on to be pretty fascinating. It's called the Epidemic Card. Mm. And this card actually goes along with another card called Center for Disease Control, the Epidemic Card, and Population Reduction. Hmm. And so it's all tied into, I mean, you know, you guessed it, like what we've just had. The Center for Disease Control card mm-hmm. basically shows scientists in a lab creating a bioweapon to, you know. And I know a lot of these could be looked at as like sort of leaks, but I think looking at it as a whole is like sort of the important part about it because it, it, 
I don't know. It just sort of shows that, like, well, again, like leaks. I don't know. I mean, like, you know, if no, 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 no. I said leaps. Like, oh, leaps. Yeah, like okay. skeptically, people could be like, well, that's a leap. Like that was. I mean, showing a white dude that is a president. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, across a crowd wouldn't be too hard of a prediction, right? I mean, like... Um, yeah, but the idea that it's literally called charismatic leader and the fact that, like, you know, Trump did come in and sort of, you know, like, get this massive, like, you know, MAGA fan base. And so, mm-hmm. and the fact that he has, like, yellow, white hair. I don't know. Like, yeah, I can kind of see that one. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, there's another card called uh, Princess Die. Then mm. has like camera flashes and the paparazzi behind her, which that's that would you know you it would go on to in nineteen oh and like the card is like I'm guessing I, I don't know a ton about the actual like game mechanics, but it it's like an assassination card which is interesting, mm. and she would go on to die in ninety seven and sort of the given story which I I do not believe this but. Uh, sort of the the public story was, oh, well, there were so many, like, paparazzi and it distracted the driver and he would slam into this tunnel and they would both die. I don't know. I, I do think the terrorist new card with the Twin Towers and the Pentagon with, you know, smoke billowing out, I do, I, I think that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, there, there's another card, too, which I don't know a ton about this, but there's another card that... Apparently, for the longest time, people thought it was, like, Big Ben. And so, you know, a lot of, I think, the skeptics were like, well, you know, clearly nothing's happened with Big Ben, so it's all a, all a fake. Um, it's that sort of cognitive dissonance kind of thing. But actually, people looked into it. They found that it was actually from this, like, um, this uh, famous clock in Japan called, like, the Wako Clock Tower. And I think that was actually, like, an earthquake or something and it, I mean, it shows this clock like collapsing and being like this huge catastrophe. In the same card, you see uh, a lady with a can with coins in it. Just says, "Save the clock tower." Mm. Say, you know, from oh yeah, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the little cool things about this is in every single card, if you look very, very close, you can find a little triangle. Mm. And as we know, the triangle represents the all-seeing eye, which is on our dollar bill, mm-hmm. which was brought over to us by Freemasonry mm-hmm. and or Rosicrucians. We don't totally know for sure, but, you know, that's a, a big thing. Aleister Crowley would call it the eye of, he would only refer to it as the eye of Horus. So, yeah, so it gets into that sort of secret society thing again. There is another card, card called Energy Crisis, which just shows a bunch of cars out of gas with an empty like fuel tank which you know i mean i feel like that that could be anything mm-hmm. you know and again i'm just looking at like the original cards like i'm not yeah. looking at because i think i just kind of like looked up the game and stuff and it looks like and purposefully so like they have added cards that you know deal with like current events and stuff like that too because like basically breeding like these cards so that the listener can tell before they, you know, obviously we're going to post pictures of these cards mm-hmm. 
on our Instagram and stuff. So hopefully by the time you listen to it, but probably the, the day after the uh, the episode comes out is usually when we post that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because like each of these cards and, okay, so it has that picture of whatever event it is. We'll say the charismatic leader. Mm-hmm. And then on the card it says like, you know, you get to choose. Uh, and again, like Tyler said, I, I'm not sure of the game mechanics, but you can use that card and that event to influence something else mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so that's the whole point of it and so with like these more modern events there's cool tie-ins that you could do within the game now i don't know like what the overall point of the game is you know like i, I probably should have gotten to that earlier so basically it's this idea that y- you start out as like you're able to be like in in some of these different secret societies so there's uh, the adepts of of hermes uh, the Bavarian Illuminati, the Bermuda Triangle, the Discordian Society, the Gnomes of Zurich, the Servants of Cthulhu, which that's awesome. Shangri-La, the UFOs, the Society of Assassins, which I guess was added later on. And as well as the Church of the Subgenius, which was also brought on later. You know, like I said in the, in, at the top of the show, it's like you you start out as like this you know, being a member of the, like, whatever particular secret society. And then you you use these cards, which, you know, if you believe in, in an actual Illuminati or an actual sort of hidden hand where these elites are kind of pulling the strings, the, you know, it, it's things that a, a lot of, you know, conspiracy theorists, like, fully believe is happening behind the scenes. So, like, you know, there's things called, like, like these like fault what's called like a false flag attempt or whatever or like uh or a false flag event sorry mm-hmm. where they're you know a lot of people say like the the Las Vegas shooting was totally you know like a like a premeditated planned thing it was just completely fake which you know supposedly it was like the largest shooting in US history but it, it was gone from like the news cycle within a day. Apparently, the dude came into a hotel and had like guns upon guns upon mm-hmm. gun. Like, t- like we're talking like an insane amount. The dude was like in his like sixties or seventies, and just I don't know. There's a lot to that story that are that are really odd. Same way with like, you know. And I'm not saying I, I want to believe. Well, I don't want to believe that these events are true, but. You know, the idea that all these things are, are just fake is a pretty terrifying thought, even though, you know, I'll reserve my beliefs on this. But like, you know, you have a, a lot of people talk about like the events of like Sandy Hook and like, you know, the all these sort of like events, like these like shootings and stuff. It's like once you start looking into it, they I mean, even if they're just like coincidences, they really do have these bizarre little connections to each other Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah and so the idea is that you're in a secret society and you're using these things you're using like you know there's like a one called like you know big media where it's i mean it's basically what it is it's like all of your your mainstream news is you know literally owned by five different companies and Mm -hmm. and six different family families and so it's the idea that like those would be the people that are like pulling the strings. So you would have the power to like, you know, sort of manipulate like the media to do to do and say whatever you want. You would be able to pull these sort of false flag events with like 
using like mind control and like you know these like shooters being like MK Ultra candidates basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the idea of the game, which again it sounds really super fun to play because it you know you're always kind of looking at at that as like the oh well those are like the bad guys that's like your your shadow government your sort of whatever and so i kind of do like the idea that you're kind of the bad guy (laughs) sort of doing all this stuff you know yeah there's a card called all stay dead which a lot of people say is literally julian assange it's a dude with white hair you know down like chin length there's a, a card called censorship which you know later Alex Jones would come out with a photo of like the exact same thing it's like you know their mouth covered with tape and it says censorship on it there's a card called joggers that's like an assassination card you know it's like is that like the Boston bombing thing mm. um, this one is really interesting and this is for my my the folks out there that are like a little deeper along sort of the path as far as like all this stuff goes but there's there's a card called the frog god which sounds silly on its face but it is interesting because at the 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 beginning of like like the trump presidential race there was this like character that is called like pepe the frog i'm sure you've seen it Mm -hmm. i'm talking about um and eventually it would become you know totally associated with with Donald Trump and, you know, like the QAnon movement. And like, that was sort of like its symbol. It wasn't created for that. But the interesting thing is like, there's this whole thing called like meme magic. And again, this is like, this gets a little, a little into the weeds, a little deep, but it's this idea that like, people are actually like using like, you know, I think of like Grant Morrison or Alan Moore, like the, like chaos magic. And the idea is like that these people were, or were you like creating these memes to like sort of like conjure things into like existence? And like part of that was like Pepe the Frog. And, you know, you, with that, you you kind of get into it kind of comes back around to I mean, I think we brought this this topic up almost on every episode, but it gets into the topic of like tulpas and mm-hmm. on like a, a tulpa on like a mass scale is is you know, typically called like an egregore. And so it's like, you know, people believed that they were kind of using like a, a, like a chaos magic uh, to sort of sway certain things, to like sway like political elections and sway the the minds of people so that they would vote a certain way or, or whatever. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that it, that it literally has like the frog god because that was that was one of the things that you would see this like character, you know, doing it. It's, it's like just this silly frog like head mm-hmm. and people would put it on like all kinds of different things. And it, he would have these weird sayings and stuff, but he, you know, kind of became like this representation of like, like a trickster God or like a trickster archetype kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. Hmm. I think, I think because I've kind of gotten into some of this stuff, like to me that that's like, it's, I don't know. I feel like there's something that could be there on that, you know. Yeah. There's a card called called currency speculation, which people believe is like a reference to like Bitcoin or like digital uh, currency. Mm-hmm. There's a card called Las Vegas, which is another assassination card, which, like I said before, uh, a lot of people believe is for like the Las Vegas shooting, which again is was the deadliest shooting in 
US history. There's a card called Teflon Coding. This is an interesting one uh, that shows a politician on a stage and there's like like food up on his podium and against the uh, you know tomato on the back wall. It's basically this the idea that like a politician is like can is totally just unharmed like no matter what they throw at him mm. and the interesting thing is when trump first took office his nickname was teflon don because mm. you know the thing is like oh well they would come up with this they would say oh well here's this russian thing and like it was like nothing could harm him in the eyes of of uh you know his his supporters or whatever mm-hmm. there's one called big media like i said before basically that all mainstream media is controlled, you know, the fake news kind of thing, which, I mean, I think is pretty accurate. There's one called Political Correctness, which which I sent to you, Mm -hmm. which is pretty interesting, especially the fact that it is like an old card from the 90s. It's two white men being, I always say hung, but it isn't like hanged. I I always feel like that is wrong. It sounds wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's two men like hanged and they both have like signs strapped to the front of them. One says, I eat flesh of a de- of dead, I eat flesh of dead animals. And then the other one, which to me, this one is wild to mm-hmm. be from 94. It says, I used insensitive pronouns, mm. which <laughs> I mean, that's a fairly new thing. Yeah. There's a card called Supreme Court nomination, which on the card, it talks about being able to to it gives you the the effect of being able to destroy any personality you know you think of like the Kavanaugh case there's a card called March on Washington which you know I I would think of like the January 6 riots you know again some of these you could you know it's like that hindsight is 2020 kind of thing but yeah but it is interesting that like I don't know a lot of the artwork involved is uh is seemingly predictive right yeah right right yeah I have like a couple more that I do want to bring up. There is one called A Thousand Points of Light where it has like a quote on it that says, we'll have to put something in the water. And it shows like a, like a, you know, shady politician shaking hands with this, like it looks like a construction worker, or like a blue collar guy. They're like shaking hands. And the dude has white hair, which is, you know, the guy who, I can't remember if it was like the mayor or or what, but like the Flint, Michigan thing, where like the water was ruined and and uh, you know the guy looked a lot like the dude on the card, which mm. was interesting. Uh, there's one called uh, Deprogrammers, which shows like like either like two men in black, which that's another card, which is which is pretty cool. But and I'm not like there's so many like cool things about this game that I'm just bringing up the ones that I feel like are just seem like there could be some you know because that's like the myth around it is like there's there's all these things that are it's just such a prophetic kind of kind of game you know yeah but it's called the deprogrammers and i mean it literally looks like like a britney spears or a lady gaga who has like these two guys to the each side of her and it's you know i mean if you get into the whole free britney thing and like a lot of people think that it's like an mk ultra type mind control and that that's why she's she sort of went nuts and and that sort of you know goes into like the the idea of like deprogramming. There's one called Up Against the Wall, which shows a giant, I mean basically like our border wall. Like I said before, the Center for Disease Control, Epidemic, Population Reduction, clearly is like a 
possible COVID. And I mean, it says quarantine on it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a Bill Clinton one and a Hillary Clinton one. And the interesting thing is there's on the Bill Clinton one, he has like a leash connected to him that kind of goes out of frame. Mm -hmm. And then this is interesting because a lot of people say that like, you know, he was just sort of the puppet and it's it actually was Hillary kind of the whole time. Running sort of the pulling, show. Yeah, yeah, kind of running the show. And she and on her card, she's holding a leash and then the, the leash goes out of frame, which is yeah. pretty cool. And then the last one, you know, this can get a little controversial, but if you've looked into any of the Pizzagate stuff and I mean, boy, there's a lot of stuff there, uh, whether you believe it, whether you don't, but there's a card called Pizza for the Secret Meeting, which is odd that it's just so random I don't know. To me, that one is like, I don't know, a pretty, pretty odd choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, do you want to hear my generalized thoughts on it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd say first. We'll return after these messages. It's a pretty good place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Or a vampire. I think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. There's a couple of things. One... It is an interesting like way to sort of again prop up that conversation that we have quite often about things like tulpas and like our power yes. to create things. You know, boy, do we have a responsibility to kind of like mm -hmm. let's create something nice instead? And then why does one person get like you know? Is it more of like the more people that are talking about it? In fact, like in in other words, by us talking about it on the show, does that now give more power to this game and all of the other things? that it has predicted that haven't come to pass yet. So mm -hmm. that's one thought, which is super interesting. Another thought I have is just like, you know, it kind of, let's just say for now, just so that we're all on the same page here, for now, let's just take the majestic sort of prediction power away from it for a second. It mm -hmm. kind of tells you, almost in a in an equally scary way, that these tropes, are so predictive on their own mm -hmm. that boy, we've got if we're gonna course correct as a society, we've got a lot of work to do because like mm -hmm. if somebody from the nineties can essentially almost map out crazy things that we can just like you know, whether founded or un like we can draw some connections to, mm -hmm. it's like, dude, that's 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 also scary. Yeah. You well, know, well, I mean, could just real quick, because like a couple of things. One, like again, I think Yes, it is a wild, weird thing that it would have been like, you know, pizza for the secret meeting. Mm -hmm. But if it would have been something been. like, well, yeah, I mean, like that's what people eat, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what you think of when you think of like like delivery. Yeah, and it's just like, hey, how can we feed a large group of people quickly and relatively on the cheap pizza? Mm -hmm. You know, the next would be, you know, I don't know, one hybrid, I have all my nieces and nephews over here. And there's a ton of them. We just get hot dogs and stuff, you know? So yeah. that's another thing. If it would have been something more unique, like a... Uh, well, it just the... I think the title going with it is weird. Like, pizza sure. for yeah. the secret meeting. Yep. It's like, 
That's a little weird. I like I'll agree there's some like but it could be a tie-ins. Leap. But to me too, not just a leap, it's just like there's so many of these things that have existed for so long and mm-hmm. you know like if if you are just even just a sprinkle of dorky like mm-hmm. myself and you don't mind reading a nonfiction book, there's a book that I read my freshman year at college mm-hmm. called The Hot Zone. And no, it's not about like, you know, strip clubs in Atlanta or whatever. <laughs> uh, the Hot Zone is a book by Richard Preston. It was written, God, man, I think early 90s. Yeah, I think it was the early 90s. And basically it describes, uh, and the part of the reason why my professor had us read this was because we started to talk about infectious diseases and how scary they can be and how quickly they can spread and become like a public health tragedy slash disaster. Mm-hmm. And in this specific book, it talks about the one of the first known outbreaks of Ebola in Sudan in 1976 and kind of follows the outbreak and the the basically the scary part of how quickly whoop, if i remember correctly like one person from this outbreak before they were able to contain it gets on a plane guess where they land pal where atlanta yeah and so and then and then they had to you know reverse trace all the infection anyway so much of the i guess procedural stuff mm-hmm in terms of pandemics and viruses and stuff. It's like uncanny. Dude, it's insane and and scary. But I I think like this isn't just something new. So it is easy for us to kind of draw like more recent conclusions. I'll give you another example, not pandemic related and not really necessarily with these cards, but I read something not too long ago and it was about uh, this Nazi rally that happened and freaking Madison Square Garden. I saw that too. Like, yeah. Although, I wondered though if it was just like AI art. Oh, what the rally? Well, like the photos. Like, there. That's the thing that sucks about the AI art is like it looks so good and mm-hmm. so realistic. That, yeah, I mean, you could just reverse it. You could just reverse search it. I mean, no, no, no. I, I'm saying it could be real, but like I, I, I saw like a social media post, and I was like, "What? I couldn't oh, yeah. believe it." And then I, I was like, "Well, maybe it's." I just happened to read this article about it because I get these articles about like interesting history on this day or whatever. And it was what's crazy, man. Like, if you the the scary thing about history is if you remove, like, let's say you read a quote of somebody and you remove the person that said it and you read it to them, mm-hmm. knowing essentially that it would fall in line with what they think, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then, and then you'd be like, okay, well, and can you guess who that was? Oh, well, you know, that was Abraham Lincoln, or maybe that was like, boop, Adolf Hitler, Hitler. or yeah. boop, you know, some other like, Stalin, you know, terrible person. And so Mussolini. it's like, that's the scary thing about history is like, you go back and you look and there are these moments in history that you're like, man, alive, I can't believe there mm-hmm. were, you know, 100,000 people or whatever it was that were there And it's all boys, you know, like sort of um, on the shoulders of, you know, this. uh, Anyway, I don't want to get too far into that. But here's my other point on, I guess, conspiracies conspiracies in general. Also, another fascinating reason why I think being more learned 
in mm. uh, anthropology and even this just is like a house the study of learned doctors, the learned doctors, <laughs> the study of human psychology and how we kind of can easily be manipulated, but also, you know, in other words, like because I know a lot of skeptics would hear this episode and think, well, like, good lord, these guys are, oh yeah. Know, and and by the way, whenever you lump, please don't lump me in there with with Tyler. But <laughs> <laughs> so when you say these guys are crazy about conspiracy, just Tyler is crazy about conspiracies. Mm-hmm. What he's just mm-hmm. listening as a as a friend. I'm just kidding. Well, but but hold on, hold on. So what I was going to say is, you can like take all like the forget about MK Ultra for a second. Let's mm-hmm. let's take that out of there. Let's just say for a second that there aren't sleep deprivation. Um, things that have happened to people in documented history. Let's take away that. Let's take away the fact that there, let's just pretend that there aren't people that were experimented on with like LSD and all these other things. Let's the take that out of there. Experiment. Yeah, all kinds of stuff that is, Montauk, you know, documented. Mm-hmm. Let's just pretend like that didn't exist. Well, mm-hmm. okay, still human nature, and, and part of the reason why we can say this factually really is because over time, man, human psychology is easy to tap into and manipulate in every single way that you can think of. We can even just boil it down to, let's just talk about business. Let's talk about marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's reasons why the last few things that you see at the register are sitting there is because over time they've collected data on top of data on top of data Mm -hmm. that says, you know, these impulse items have a greater likelihood of being purchased right before they leave. Oh, that's dude, why I, the, the freaking GI Joes used to be right there, man. Yeah, right. You right. know, and I'd be like, I, I oh, mean, please, Archie Comics, like all that stuff was right there. Yeah. And so, like, as humans, it's really not like that difficult for politicians. Mm-hmm. Forget about secret societies for just like influential uh, groups of any kind. E- even if it's just like I don't know, let's just say a lobbying group of of. Uno cards or whatever it is, okay? Let's just mm-hmm. pretend for a second. I'm just using one that's not a political hot button. Let's just pretend for a second that Uno wants to be in every household and they've got a ton of money and they lobby their politicians. You know, there's a lot of influence that those people that we have in these positions have and can have on us. Next thing you know, it's all over the news that Uno increases your intelligence for blah, blah, blah. Mm. And so, like, that marketing campaign, it's Dude, all it's money. Like, it's Dude, like the new you know, food pyramid. Well, new food pyramid, you want to know what else? Did you know, and I didn't know this, do you know how the top candidates from each party get that position? What do you mean? Okay, so, you know how, like, um, besides, besides, like, um, what's it called? The primary election, right? Like election, to, to, like public right. elections. Yeah. Part of the way that those candidates get into those spots to be seated in like a, you know, a spot on a debate or more ad time and like all this stuff, mm-hmm. it's all that green dollar, son. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like private interest groups, mm-hmm. lobbying. Yeah. Like it's all super shady. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say this too, and I don't know that I, because we refrain from getting political on the show for multiple reasons, mm-hmm. but... What's interesting is most of the time when we say anything on the show, it's universal, right? And so it's not just one group or the other. Like we can say, interestingly enough, that like mm-hmm. I think that if, for, for example, lobbying was mm-hmm. illegal, yep. okay, if that was illegal, I wonder how many of the hardcore um, proponents of any 
legislation mm-hmm. would still be hardcore proponents of it if they weren't making some money right. from it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, like I said with like the food pyramid, it's like, like, okay, so we have a company called the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. They're the ones who come out publicly and say, this is, this is where we're at. This is the, the testing that's been done. They just released the new food pyramid. And it literally says on there that a, a regular organic chicken egg is less healthy than Lucky Charm cereal. Come on, man. My chickens. I'm telling you. You should see the yolks of my, chi- my, no, my no, no. chicken's eggs. I, dude, I know that. I'm telling you, you're telling me that the private interest group or Post or Kellogg's, oh, yeah. they're not paying off the mm-hmm. FDA to say that? No. If we're talking about conspiracies that are fun to look into, I want you to look into, listener and Tyler, look into, and I think this was in the 80s, there's a reason why everyone thinks that MSG is terrible for you. Oh, look I've, into I've read that. This. I have, yeah. Look into that. It's it's hilarious. Same with um now I don't know if this is true or not, but I think I saw something about high fructose corn syrup. At the end of the day, sugar's bad for you. Yeah. But right, there right. was like a it was almost like a, a uh, campaign against the corn industry. Well, you know, so that- it's like all these things, man, are tied together. And at the end of the day, you know, this is part again, man, it's super interesting to talk about mm-hmm. the fact that like whether or not this guy predicted the future or even created it, mm-hmm. or perhaps we're in a simulation. I, I forgot to left, left that part out. Y- yes. No matter what, it's intriguing. And, you know, for, uh, what's this guy's name? Steve Jackson? Steve Jackson. For mm-hmm. Steve Jackson, Jackson, like Jackson 5. Sorry, man. <laughs> I'm watching a lot of Bloodsport lately. Can't for uh, guys like Steve Jackson, the good news is, I mean, there's going to be, because of the similarities, sounds like what you're saying is there's like this renewed interest in this. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's this. I mean, for me anyway, it's it's like I would want to go get the original set. Yeah, me and just too. Thumb through them. Yeah, you know. Well, the interesting thing, and I'm glad you brought all that up. Uh, you know, the idea that like, well, did, was he was he predicting the future? Was he creating the future? You know, I, I I spoke briefly earlier about like like the meme magic and like the chaos magic. Well, one really interesting thing about Steve Jackson is. He is a proud follower of a thing called Discordianism. Have you ever heard of this? Sounds familiar, but I'm not, I couldn't tell you what it is. Well, so it was created in 1963. It's like this sort of religion, philosophy kind of thing where, you know, and it involves like the worship of or centered around this character called Eris, which is also known as Discordia, I, I guess Greek mythology who is the goddess of strife and discord. Discordianism uses archetypes or ideals associated with her. It was the holy book, you know, quote unquote, was written in 1963 called the Principia Discordia. It was written by a guy named Greg Hill, who also went by the name Malaclips the Younger, which is awesome, and Carrie Wendell Thornley, who went by Omar Khayyam Ravenhurst. I mean, it sounds awesome. Awesome, but also like, Instantly, nerd. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, and it plays perfectly into Steve Jackson because, like I said, he went on to do create Steve Jackson games, and um, you know, it kind of blew up with like Munchkin and mm-hmm. and and those those card games that would come later. But the only book that he printed out of the game company was the Principia Discordia. He like reprinted the Discordianism Bible, if you will. Hmm. 
And so the interesting thing is, you know, I'm not going to get like super into the discordianism stuff, but there's a a guy that you guys should look up called uh, Robert Anton Wilson. And he actually got with another guy named Robert Shea, who would produce this book trilogy called Illuminatus. Hmm. And that was the thing that inspired Steve Jackson. And so it, it is this idea that there's a lot of like chaos magic involved. You know, it's very based on that like trickster archetype of like spreading like discord. And it's like, and that's why like a lot of times you'll, you'll read if, you know, if you guys look into this Steve Jackson character, he's very like sort of mercurial, like one minute, you know, it's said that like, you would think, oh, well, he's like a straight up like, you know, right wing fundamentalist who is totally like conservative. And it's like, all the Democrats are bad. But then the next minute, you know, he'll come out with a statement that's like the complete opposite. And so he was like a big like follower of this discordianism thing. And like I said, it does involve this like sort of chaos magic thing. And I don't know, I I think there is something interesting in the idea that like, you know, like the egregore or the tulpa, it's that idea that like, was Steve, you know, like you said, was Steve Jackson sort of informing the future of these events that would take place because of that? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it gets a little, a little heady in a way, but uh, it's, it's an interesting concept though, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one last thing that I was going to say about, and it's more of just like, I want, like a, I wonder if kind of situation here. And it's mm-hmm. like, I wonder if, because there are things, and then I'll give a personal example in just a second, but I wonder if there are things like secret societies, for example, or, yes. um, and, and even, uh, no, not that they exist, <laughs> but I wonder if because they exist as, or let's just say any organization that has any sort of secret, right? Whether that is some sort of ritual, uh, something that the masses don't necessarily know everything about, whether right. that is... Um, Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove or the, uh, you know, temple ceremony for Mormons or the mm-hmm. ritual um, for a fraternity. Uh, and let me give you, uh, or and, and or anything that these, quote unquote, like the secret societies do or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a personal example. I... It's in a fraternity in college, okay? And yes, we have secret things, whether that's secret symbols and handshakes and, and, and hold on, and even rituals, okay? Mm-hmm. And even within my own campus at the time, there were these rumors that were circulating about like our rituals and all this kind of stuff. And the way mm-hmm. we'd find out is like other fraternities would be talking trash to like, you know, the sorority girls. You know, and so that's how we would find out mm. what the rumors were, where like some of our friends that were in sororities would say like, you know, this is kind of the rumor that's going on. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Independent, you know, most of the time we'd be like, I don't know, is it? <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. So I think that there is a tendency and, and this, I guess, large open opportunity for us to kind of fill in the gaps as uh, as society, even for the things that, are a mystery to us, you know? I mean, I've seen it firsthand with my fraternity, for example. And even me, like, before getting into a fraternity, I had this, um, and, you know, where I went to college, it's a little bit of a unique scenario where it isn't 
like it is on a large, lot of larger campuses, mm-hmm. the Greek system, I mean. Right, but, yeah. You know, there are still things that are secret. And it's becoming more and more hard to keep it that way. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and, and which is kind of a know, bummer. It is, man. Even but, if it's you a know, bad like even even for like uh with my fraternity and stuff, like I'll look it up every now and then just out of interest because it's like, oh man, I mean it's twenty twenty three. certainly there's gotta be somebody that's like posted something somewhere, you know, on some forum. Mm-hmm. And you'll go to it and it seems real <clears throat> and then it's like not it. It's well, not, the, well, this isn't the secret stuff. They think it is, man, and they're like, right. I found this, I found their ritual manual, and then I'll show like a picture that looks like, oh man, that really does look like the the thing, and then they like go on and it's like, and this is what happens. And so it's like the same kind of thing exists for like other things. So my point is, when there is secret stuff that we don't understand, mm-hmm. it's easy to kind of fill in the blanks. And I don't know. I mean, look, man, uh, you, you know, I will tell you this. We didn't have any uh, ceremonies dedicated to any sort of pagan gods. In fact, like all the imagery Except and symbolism and within ball. my fraternity was mm-hmm. all Christian, actually. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, because we don't know, you, gives you're that saying opportunity like, to... Because to, we, we don't know exactly what's going on. Like All it's, we can do... It's all easy all, to sort of build up this... Yeah, all we can do is guess. And then I'll tell you, man, from the out, like, let's just say, for example, that someone had a hidden camera Mm -hmm. um, at some of the events or something that my fraternity does in and around sort of like our initiation week for pledges and stuff. Mm -hmm. Dude, people would be like, there would be like Bohemian Grove style, probably like, oh my God, like there's, you know, this and that. And it's like, no, dude. You know, so from the outsider perspective of not knowing, it wouldn't be that level. But mm-hmm. from the outsider perspective, not knowing what's going on and what these things that have a meaning are, you know, it, it can be it can be weird. I mean, dude, when I told my parents like that I was going to be joining a fraternity, they're like, "What?" Mm-hmm. Because all they thought about was alcohol poisoning and also like weird uh, rituals and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I, I will say this: I, I you know, I, I have done a good bit of research, like. Uh, into like Freemasonry, right? And I think there is a, I mean, this may sound crazy to some people, but I do think there's a clear connection to a lot of the weird like symbolism in pop culture and media and and all that uh, with like a lot of the symbolism that is in the early sort of writings for like Freemasonry. However, I also know that like my grandpa was a Mason, my uncle was a mason. They were both deacons at a church. They're two of the best men that I've ever known in my entire life. Right. And do I think that they were, do I think that they were like doing a lot of the stuff that I... Like, know. let's put it this way. If they were a part of an organization that was any kind of questionable in terms of like a moral right. standing, both those dudes, man would just be like, peace out, I'm gone. Yes, exactly, exactly. But but because I know, like, I know them personally, and so, but I, so I see what you're saying, but I also do think that there's different, like, levels of this, too. I think, you know, I, I think, like, like, for the Masons, for example, it's like you have your Masons who are all across the U.S., all across, you know, I mean, it's international, but, like, mm-hmm. in the U.S., every single small town 
is going to have a Masonic temple. Mm-hmm. It's super shady. I mean, not shady. It's super like secretive is mm-hmm. what I mean. I didn't mean to say shady. I remember as a kid, you know, long before the internet, I would ask a bunch of questions and they were like, you know, we can't tell you. Mm-hmm. We can't tell you what's going on. I remember as a kid, uh, I was with my uncle and he had to drop something off like uh, at the lodge or whatever. And I went in and it was super weird. It was super like, like it was like my, my young mind couldn't wrap my head around like, like, like what? Like this looks like a church. Like, mm-hmm. like it, this isn't like a religious thing, is it? And they would say, no, it's, it's, it's not a Christian thing. And it's like, you're a deacon at the church. Like, mm-hmm. like what is happening? And I, there, there's an element of that that still exists with me, like that I can't quite pinpoint like what it's about or whatever. But, but I do think that like in the upper, upper levels, there still could be connections with, you know, your Bavarian Illuminati, your mm-hmm. Rosicrucians. Cause there is a lot of like sort of graying of, of the lines or blurring of the lines when it comes to like your high, high, it, it's why people like Walt Disney are made like immediately made 33rd degree master mason. You know, it's like, it's a lot of those sort of, I don't know. It's like your, your people that are way up in like pop culture, mm-hmm. you know, once you start looking, it's like, oh, that's weird. They were mason too. Oh, that's weird. They were a 33rd degree, you know, Freemason, which supposedly is supposed to take years and years, but I don't know. There's a yeah. lot to it. Yeah. And that's a whole other yeah. episode. Another thing, back to sort of human nature and, and just sort of speaking in generalities, which I'm not a huge fan of generalities, but I, I'll say that, like, I don't think it matters what the organization is. Mm-hmm. But then you can look throughout history and any organization that's given any amount of authority or power has the same opportunity to use that power for evil. You can look as far back, you know, any and every organized religious organization Mm -hmm. from the sort of, I mean, you go through the, like the Crusades or the Spanish Inquisition or the Mm -hmm. Catholic, you know, any sort of like very, very powerful organization, even religious ones, right? Which should be like the most, like to me, it's like, the religious organizations are the ones that we should be able to put our trust in the most, but unfortunately, throughout history, you know, maybe maybe we can't. You've got, yeah, Salem Witch Trials, you've got organizations, and uh, uh, or I'm sorry, like businesses. Anytime there's a large amount of money, power, and influence, mm-hmm. you know, that's where sort of the danger comes in. Something like Skull and Bones, right? They're at Yale, which, mm-hmm. you know, take a look at too the percentage of presidents and well uh, that's all people that's part of it, though. yeah well before school but like people like either influential or wealthy and ivy league you're gonna have a higher concentration of that right and so what better place to have what what an easier place to sort of concentrate Oh, yeah. Influence, then, okay, totally. now you've got like a secret society. Now you've got these like influential people that are from families that almost have like a, um, a pedigree of yes. power. I oh, mean, I kind of like that term, pedigree of power. That's the, the new book dynasty. by That Would Be Rad about <laughs> conspiracies in the world. No, um, anyways, they have that pedigree of power. And again, even just looking at it in terms of chance, which 
we've kind of already talked about that like I understand the appeal of these things, but equally I can understand that look, if there's any secret if there's any organization that has any kind of secrets, yeah. people are gonna wonder. Always, you know? Yeah. I, I think that it yeah, it, it it's it's easy to put like sort of like think the worst about you know, things, especially when these groups, it's like, oh, well, why can't I be privy to this knowledge? Why is it, why is it only this like elite group of, you know, of men that, that are able to like, you know, have this stuff. But I think, I think it's, it's sort of these secret societies began, like, I think that was part of the inception. Like I said, at the very beginning, it's like all these secret societies, they always claim like, it, it, you always hear the like term enlightenment. You always hear the term mm-hmm. like, especially with um, like Aleister Crowley and like the uh, the OTO. He would talk about like the the idea of like bringing like a new age or the or the age of Horus. And you know, you get into Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard, uh, and they were doing all these like rituals and stuff. But it's this idea of like bringing in this new age, this new thing of enlightenment, this new awakening and like they would talk about the apocalypse and they're like oh no 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 it's not a bad thing it's you know and if you look at the 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 greek meaning of the word apocalypse it is lifting the lid off something to reveal something hidden mm-hmm. and so it is a little bit weird but i don't know I, I, especially if if i'm thinking of like alistair crowley i just think it's like these like you have a bunch of like rich dudes who come from like a massive amount of money who have a whole lot of time on their hand and you know, they're just, it's like. I mean, I laugh a little bit because literally the same, it was like the same argument from from like friends that weren't getting into fraternities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Remember I was in college, it's the same thing. It's like, not too, I mean, you just like paying for friends. And well, it's like, I understand the perspective well, no, 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 but I'm, but I'm saying like these are, these are the people that would go on to become like aristocrats and like never mm-hmm. really had to work a job. And I'm talking like way back. I'm not yeah. really talking about the modern era, but like, you know, like uh, like Helena Blavatsky and like the Order of the Golden Dawn. It's like they, they a lot of these people would come like from money, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's why a lot of like the early philosophers also were. I guess not early philosophers, but like they had the time to like sit around and just, you know, ponder like, well, if I am, then am I? Like it's that mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. existential kind of thing. Whereas like your your blue collar guys, like, man, I don't have time for that. Yeah. I guess what I will work. say about the Freemasons, I don't think there's a lot of them that never had a job. Right, right. Well, you know? I, I do think that your upper, upper levels, I do think that's a different story. Yeah. Is is weird as and as much as I don't like to believe that because of the association with like my uncle and my grandpa. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. But I do think there's I do think there's some weird stuff like once you get way up there. Like it gets into like like Baphomet and like I don't there's just a lot of weird stuff. Anyway, I brought up that topic today because You just had to inch in just one <laughs> more conspiracy theory. See Well, no, on its face, yes. This is the wedge holding the door open was the first episode. <laughs> now yeah, that Project thing Wood. is just like, well, let me just crack it open a little bit. You know those like old school like rubber door wedges oh, yeah. that we used to have in school? Oh, yeah. That's what's happened, folks. Mm-hmm. That thing's wide open now. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. 
it is wide open, but <laughs> I don't think that it was controversial because it was a game that was invented in that awesome pre-internet era. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's cool for a pop culture sort of reference you know. there. And then it it has been known for like a long time of having this weird like sort of like predictive like you know whether you're looking at it as like a type of like predictive programming and we talked about that on the project bluebeam a little bit or if it's like actually had had a hand in actually like sort of maybe ushering some of these events into you know into existence mm-hmm. i don't know I, to me that that's like the interesting part of the yeah. of the game you know well and like i said like really to me it matters less on whether or not this guy is able to predict it or if he's writing it or although that is interesting the interesting thing to me is just like it's that potentially like the things that he created mm-hmm. were things that like and even back in the 90s could have been a possibility, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I will say one thing. If it is creating, you know, this is a time period back in the 90s where there is a lot of cool card games. There is Magic the Gathering. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a cool Star Wars uh, card game that was much like Magic the Gathering. And then... There was Rage. And then there was Vampire the Masquerade. Yep, there was that. And so if any of those things start happening, well, then we'll yeah. know. <laughs> So if you'd like to find us out on in the social media sphere, we are typically over on Instagram. Feel free, drop on by to uh, share a comment or if you want to tell us some, something cool about a mystery or a conspiracy or, you know, your own like cryptid account or UFO abduction, uh, shoot us a DM or if it's more long form, shoot it over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. We have a new, well, fairly new Patreon called The Rabbit Trail. So if you're just not getting enough of this free feed of your That Would Be Rad fix, you can hop on over there. There's multiple tiers to help suit your financial situation. We'd love to have you. It really means a lot to us. It's uh, it's a huge way of, you know, sort of physically supporting just two guys with families and full-time jobs that are able to also do this, you know. So we thank you so much for the folks that are on the Rabbit Trail Patreon And we would appreciate it if you would think about joining. Also, get out there and give us a five-star review. Take a second. Go tell a friend, a single friend about the show that you think would be into sort of the weirder stuff or pop culture, 80s, 90s, whatever. Anything else, Woody? I can't think of anything. Man, I think that's that's about it. Did we do it? I mean, we we did it. Okay, we did it. Well, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, be rad. That's the way it
time where I just needed some sunshine You were already dead before you became a ghost You always said our future would be a parade of flowers But now all that's left is a single rose That's the way Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, it may take some editing. Mm-hmm. One quick thing about the tortillas. Anyway, I, I messaged Julie back and I said, man, I thought it was essentially just my brother and I, but every time my brother and I get together, not every time, but most of the time we talk about how like we will put just about anything in a mm-hmm. tortilla and it's instantly better. Yo, oh, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. Hot dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember those that we used to do on tour, the peanut butter and honey? Oh, yeah, baby. You know, tortillas. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of surprising. I'm sure I showed you the the hot butter tortilla, although, like, you know, where are we going to put the butter? So maybe not. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> let me just, I'm just going to turn this off, and then we're, I got to start it over. Just, hey, t- hey, tell that story about your son. I think I already have, but basically when he got this new uh, smartwatch, we'll call it, because we're not sponsored by any, by anyone. Yeah. He got this smartwatch that just happens to link up with everything in my household because I'll just give you a hint, we're not a, an Amazon family. It, um, it, it, uh, it rhymes with Snapple. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got him a new uh, watch for his birthday so that we could communicate with him and ultimately he can kind of start communication uh, with his friends and even a girlfriend. But anyhow, one day, I'm just like walking through the house and I see him and he's just like, I mean, extreme focus is coming out of this kid. And he's just like looking down at his watch and I'm like, oh man, did maybe did he get like a breakup text? You know, all these different Uh-oh. ideas are kind of running through my head and I'm just like, you know, concerned. And so I'm like, hey son, what's up? Are you all right? And he just like holds a finger up, like, hold on dad. And he just doesn't say anything and is looking down at his watch. Then like maybe five to ten seconds later, he's like, okay. He's like, sorry, Dad, I was practicing my mindfulness. <laughs> and I'm like, man, uh, you're ten, right? I mean, it's just strange. It's very Yeah, uh, that's, that really is amazing, man. It is kind of cool, too, because he, he, he and his friends kind of compete with like, okay, who can close their rings today on the fitness app or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. 